0: If you want a voice in our society, I don't care how rich you are or how famous you are. Politicians have the voice.
1: Welcome to the Gary Scott Thomas Show. Here's what we know the podcast with unexpected conversations. Listen each week as we engage in unscripted conversations where we'll be just as surprised as you will be with where the dialogue goes. So join us each week and be privy to the captivating conversations that are sure to ensue. Here's your host, Gary Scott Thomas.
2: welcome to the latest edition of Here's What We Know, the podcast of unexpected conversations. And I love, I look forward to this when they said, hey, do you want to talk to this guy? And I studied up on you and I'm like, that's exactly the kind of guy I want to talk to. Folks, welcome John Bramnick, a member of the New Jersey General Assembly and also an author. John, how are you? I'm doing great, and I'm lucky to be on your
0: show or podcast.
2: <laughs> I am thrilled to be in it, first of all. I uh, He is one of the few, and I can call you this, a stand-up comedian who's actually a politician, not a politician who's a stand-up comedian. <laughs> well, there's plenty of
0: material. Let me tell you, have you ever been in Trenton, New Jersey, in state politics, man? It's a gift that keeps on giving.
2: You know, I've got to ask you, and we're going to, we're going to get around to your, to your book, uh, which is just nothing short of hilarious, but how does one decide to go into politics? I've always wondered that, and I've talked to people, I've talked to friends of mine who've actually worked in the political spectrum, but it's always an interesting thing about, hey, what makes you, because there's nothing about it, it's sausage making, there's nothing about it that makes you go, hey, that's what I want to do. How did you get there? Well, do you ever wonder why people like
0: Bloomberg, the mayor in New York, a billionaire, wants to be in politics, or famous actors like Arnold Schwarzenegger want to be in politics? If you want a voice in our society, I don't care how rich you are or how famous you are. Politicians have the voice. You look at CNN, MSNBC, and Fox. What do they do 24-7? Politics. When I'm on the golf course, people say, what do you do? I go, I'm a lawyer. Hey, I don't want to talk to you. Hey, I'm a stand-up Comic. I oh, have an interest. I'm a politician. Oh, you're you're the Republican leader in the House. Oh, let me tell you about Trump. Let me tell you about Biden. So, if you want a voice and you want to be heard, you you become a politician. And I like to be heard because in my judgment. Unless you're part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Isn't
2: that great? This is why this man wrote a book called Why People Don't Like You. <laughs> we're going to go down, we're going to go down that vein here in just a minute. But I, I am thrilled. I, I, I'm very interested to see when you talk, when you brought up Trump and you're a Republican, how did, how did you ride that wave? Good or bad? Because it had both, right? How, how did you navigate those waters? Cause that had to be the trickiest time of your political life, I would think.
0: It's a great question and totally true. I navigated it by telling the truth. And the truth is that the way he spoke to other people, I learned in third grade not to do it. When he talked about John McCain or actually recently he talked about Colin Powell, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if anyone thinks that's the way you talk about other people, uh, that that's a big mistake, right? So I just said it the way it is. I said, look, I learned in third grade not to call people names. Wow. And then if somebody asked me and then I I did interview shows as a Republican leader and people say, well, you don't you know, what do you bet Trump? I said, let me explain something. If he does something good. Right. If he stands up to North Korea, I'll say it. But if you ask me whether I think he's a good person, answer is no. Now, I know people are not good people, but they're actually pretty good business people. Doesn't mean I like them.
2: And I feel the same way. Like on people, I tend to find myself more more conservative, if you will. Moderate. No, I'm not extreme on either way. But I know some of my dearest friends are far left-wing liberals, and we get along just fine because I love them, and I know where their heart's at, and they know where my heart's at. And there's people who I probably agree with more politically that you're right. Eh, not so much. I don't need any time with you. I really don't.
0: Well, I say to people all the time who come up, oh, all I do is watch Fox. All I do is watch MSNBC. How do you love Trump? How do you hate Trump? Here, here's my deal. If you have a family, you're going to tell me you're going to agree with your daughter or son all the time or your wife all the time? These people tell me I'm always conservative. I'm always this. I don't talk to people. Really? You don't? How do you get along in business? You work with people you disagree with. So I don't go for that. That argument is, oh, I'm a right-wing, I'm a left You aren't really. And, and you don't talk to people. Really? How about your family?
2: See, and I think I think that's right there. I think, to me, I can, I can see why you're good at politics because I think so many, especially when it comes to, to politics, especially when you come to the media, right, when you see the media, and I know it's fun to bash on the media and stuff like that, but I, one of the things that I've seen is they've taken away any local angle. Right. So now all politics is a referendum on on race or uh, on covid on on, it. Never, you know, tip O'Neill, all politics are local. Right. That's what it is. It seems like we've lost that. What do you think on that?
0: Well, first of all, local politics are boring and it doesn't sell. What sells is being controversial. Right. So when I used to go on TV, I used to go on all the cable, you know, MSNBC, CBA, everybody. Right. They stop putting me on because, you know something, this guy's too much in the middle. You know, he's answering a question. He's not an extremist. So you put extremists on because that's what people want to hear. They don't want to hear, like, really how to solve a problem. They want to know, oh, this guy called this person a name or, you know, he's nuts. or He put something on his Facebook. That's what sells. So that's what gets in the media.
2: We We all agree on a lot more than we like to think we do, don't we?
0: Well, of course, 90% of every bill in Trenton is voted unanimously, right? But the point is, that doesn't make news. These these channels will go out of business if they start talking about what we agree on. Hey, look, everybody's happy today in Trenton. Oh, really? I'm going to turn on to the other channel. (laughs) That's why, why do you think they talk about there's a fire in the Bronx, right? Fire in the Bronx. Look, look at that. There's firemen, right? What are they going to talk about? You know, uh, let's let's place where we put our fire extinguishers and why fire extinguishers are important. Go like this.
2: Eh, I'm going to turn the channel. How do we? Because I know this again. This is your day to day life. This is what you do. You deal with politics all the time. What? What do we do? And, and again, for anybody who thinks there was a golden age of politics, in my opinion, there never was. If you go back and study the founding fathers, they would recognize some of the vitriolic, caustic ways that we talk to each other. It's, it's been around all around. They wouldn't get social media, but they would definitely understand the, the bickering and the name calling and, and the, uh, uh, the demagoguery. Uh, but how do we, how do we find a, a more place where we can converse? And everybody's not a Nazi or a communist or, or something that.
0: Yeah, reject the crazy people. So the crazy people are the loudest people. So when you go on Facebook or the internet or social media or you watch TV, you see basically the nuts. The person, the hardworking person who's in the middle, you're not really seeing them on any of your social media. So I always say we should put a group together when the nut goes on social media. 2,000 people should react to the nut. Uh, I, I actually had something called Rally the Reasonable, and I put this group together where you got, like, thousands of reasonable people, and I say, okay, you got a nut on the Internet, attack.
2: When you, when you deal with people on the other party, and I, I, I was seeing this, I see an interview with a, with a politician about a year ago, and he goes, here's what you don't know. These people will call me names on, on the, on, on the TV test stations, and then I will see them in the hall, and they'll come up and ask me about my family and talk and laugh and, and say, hey, is there anything I can do for you? I know you've got this charity thing. He goes, that's the stuff that you don't see. I wish you could see. Is that, is that your experience also?
0: Yeah, except the part where you call each other names and then you're friendly. Uh, you know, it depends what name you're calling a person. So, no, I don't think if someone's really calling you a name, you know, like a cheater, a liar, you know, you, your wife's no good. I don't think then in the hallway you're friendly. But most of the issues like when I call the Speaker of the Assembly, you know, the head Democrat and as the Republican, I say, listen, Craig, uh, tomorrow I'm going to do a press conference. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to say. So thanks for calling blah, blah, blah. He calls me, says, I'm going to do a press conference. Here's what I'm going to do, et cetera. I think that's how you do it, but you don't call each other names. I mean, no one's kissing me, kissing me after they call me
2: a name. Because you're old school. But I mean, when, when I say call a named, you do sit back and say, oh, he doesn't care or tries to imply that they're somehow evil in their heart. You know, they don't care about these children or, or this is because they they have these views. Right. So it's it's that tangential name calling where they infer you're a type of person. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I don't mind that. And they go like this, uh I'm not gonna fund uh the schools, right. Mm-hmm. Uh I'm gonna I, I want a billion dollars less because yeah, he doesn't care about education. That's fair. It's stupid and I don't think it sells. But if if, if Craig Kaufman, the speaker, got up and said, uh, Brandon voted against education because he doesn't believe in education. I go like this. Yeah, I go up and says, uh, doesn't believe in lowering anyone's taxes, he wants everybody to move to Florida. But I appreciate his comments. <laughs>
2: See, see—that's how you can write a book uh, called "Why People Don't Like You." Where, where did you come up with this? And I—I I, I mean, I can imagine, but tell me first of all. The idea of writing a book, and I'm an English lit major, right? I'm an English lit major and the idea of writing a book oh is something Oh my God, you're an
0: English lit major oh, you're that real smart person who messed up the bell curve with all the other students.
2: Oh my gosh, no. No, it's just I oh can yeah, I've I never
0: could, met an English literature guy who wasn't smart ever.
2: I could bullshit my way through anything. No, nope, if you I don't believe it. If you write it. I don't enough it. You flowerly had to read the book, if you write enough flowerly way, and if you throw in a few words like cat. If you throw in words like that, people go, oh, well, he must know what he's talking about. And I'm telling you, I need a map to find my ass. I'm just telling you that straight up. Let me tell
0: you something. <laughs> Wrong. No English literature major is not smart. Now I'm a political science major. I've met a lot of stupid political science majors, but I've
2: never met a stupid
0: English literature. And you know I'm telling the truth. You're just modest. <laughs>
2: I, 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 but my point is I, the idea of writing a book, I can't, and I love reading. Trust me. I go through, my wife yells at me about the amount I spend on reading every year, but I love reading. I love novels. I love nonfiction. I love everything about it. The idea of sitting down and writing a book would scare the hell out of me. And I love when you people who write books, right? How did you go there? How do you start? How do you do the process? I
0: guess you haven't read my book, because my book (laughs) you you can read in about 40 minutes. Yeah,
2: well, you're supposed to be sending me a copy, and I'm waiting because I'm going to give away copies uh, of your book on this uh, from my podcast.
0: Fine, I'll send as many as you need. So here's the story. What I did was I came up with 200 reasons I don't like you, and each page (laughs) has a different reason, and it has a drawing by my wife. So a perfect example is, a Perfect example is this: When you come to my house and bring a bottle of wine, and then ask me to open the bottle of wine, it's no longer a gift. There, you genius. So I got a picture of somebody bringing a bottle of wine. You it's a drawing of the family. I go, if you're going to come to my house, bring two bottles of wine. If you want to drink one, say this is your gift, and this is one we brought so we could drink it at your house.
2: Oh my God! I'm that guy. I'm that, that guy. I just that's why I don't I'm like that- you. Well, what are
0: you nuts? You, this is my gift. Oh, by the way, John, can you open that Chateau two thousand fourteen? I go. actually I can't because that was a gift. If you want some wine, then don't. Then bring your own wine. This is my gift. Okay, I'll think about opening
2: maybe in a couple weeks when you're not here, buddy. That is such a – and I'm going to do that. I'm telling you, I have changed my ways because I'm going to bring from now on a couple of bottles of wine. Because you know what we're basically implying? I know you're going to serve crap wine, John. And at least I know with the wine I'm bringing, it's going to be good.
0: Exactly. And, and the other thing that everyone does is that you look tired. Hey, listen here, there. You're not a doctor and you're not my mother, Okay. You basically say I look like crap. Okay, I got that. But I'm going to explain something to you. It's not a good idea. First of all, I don't need you as my health monitor. And number two, all you're saying is I look bad.
2: Okay? You know, I take this. This is what happens to me. And I get this all the time. People go up and go, hey, have you lost weight? And my reply is, no, I'm just not as fat as you always thought I was.
0: But you you they, people do that, especially when I go to buy clothes at Brooks Brothers, right? The guy for years said, Oh, you're losing weight. Look, that's a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> right. He knows I didn't lose weight. He's just trying to blow smoke, if you know what I mean. Hey, so I get, uh, I,
2: I get it. Yeah, no, for me, though, because people, you know, what I do for a living, people don't see me a lot. And so when they do see me after a couple of years, it's always, have you lost weight? And my reply is, I've literally been the same size for 10 years now. I'm just not as fat so, as so you remember.
0: Hey, all right. Now, this is what they should say to you. You look terrific.
2: Not for your age. <laughs> just
0: you look great. <laughs> Don't know you look great for your age. Really? Really?
2: Is that the best you can do there, you son. <laughs> I, I always try to add like eight years to my age so that way people will go, damn, you do look good.
0: Hey, you don't know, be asking. I mean, a couple guys on the golf course, you can ask people their age. Otherwise, you know something? Figure out another question there, genius.
2: Okay, what of, of, on my bucket list now is to play golf with you because you would fit into our group so well because all we do is just shovel crap on each other's shoes the entire round.
0: Well, tell your buddies not to tell me they shot a 75 in Florida last week when they were alone. I can tell whether you're any good in golf based on your swing. You're not going to fake me out through your nonsense, okay? Well, you know, here's what you know. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just
2: saying. I was just saying. Everybody, we all do that because we get defensive about it, right? And when you're playing, all of a sudden you'll start sucking, especially if you start off sucking, and you'll go, oh, "But I, I played, I played really well last week. I really did. I, I shot a seventy-five. I, I really did." Uh, yeah. Here's the
0: story. Don't speak about your golf game. And here's another one for you. When I see you in the dining room, and you go. How's your golf game? That's a throwaway question there, Jack Nichols, Jack Nichols, Jack Nichols. I can't say. I can't believe I can't say a professional golfer's name, but it is a throwaway question. So when they go like this, I'm at my table with my wife. having dinner. He goes, you know, I'm glad you asked because I was on hole 16. I was about 50 yards out, you know, hole 16. I said, I do. And then I kind of hit a good shot. And then it was just I go like this. You're kidding me, right? You think that was a real question? How your golf game is? It's not a real question.
2: <laughs> I will share with you a golf story, and it has nothing to do with golf, though. Are you ready? So I, I'm i I'm pl- playing down, and I got invited to play at this hoity-toity country club in Hollywood, right? So I go down, and I play, and I'm playing with this guy, and it's wonderful. And uh, and he was going, and he goes, yeah, Jack Nicholson is a member here. And uh he goes, but I don't like playing with him. And I said, why? He goes, because he cheats. And I'm like, oh, my God. Don't you want Jack Nicholson to cheat? I mean, isn't that really what you want? You want him to go, yeah, pal, three out of bounds, four putts, I had a par. <laughs> you want, ja- if anybody to cheat, you want Jack Nicholson to. What I want to do, I just
0: want a picture with Jack Nicholson. I don't care what he does. <laughs>
2: That, that's the point. I just I just love the idea that it was just, it was, you know, I, I would not have been able to play. I'd have just been like, tell me more stories. Tell me this. Tell me that. That's what, and, and <laughs> when it goes to golf, that's what I love about golf is that you get four hours away with somebody, and I've had some of the most interesting, fascinating conversations and met people who I would never have met in my day-to-day life, but if it wasn't on a golf course.
0: I play with Fuzzy Zeller. We're both at a golf club down in Florida, Naples, Naples National. And he's—you don't want the round to end because he's so much fun.
2: How much fun is it? Because I know he's hilarious, but he's so good too, isn't it? Jaw dropping how good professionals are.
0: It is, and you watch it on TV. You think you, oh, I know what to do now. You go to the golf course on the Monday after the Sunday golf tournament. You go like this. Hmm, I must have missed
2: something. <laughs> It's just such an amazing ability. Any pro sports is amazing. You know, because you're looking when you get to that level, it's the best of the best of the best. They have been winnowed down to where these are. These are almost unnatural abilities that they have. And for you to see it right up close, that's got to be breathtaking.
0: Well, that's like you on the radio, right? I mean, anybody thinks they can do that stuff. And then the way you are, your energy, your way you articulate, you don't do uh, consequently, guess what? That's a professional too. I don't think some of these professional golfers can do what you do. So, you know, I think it's even...
2: Yeah, everybody has their, has their own, their own superpower. They will. And with you, again, I'm not trying to blow smoke anywhere up your rear end right now, but it's just so much fun because I've, I've, I've watched you. I've seen your YouTube videos. I, I I've just, just watching you and how. How affable, but not in a goofy way. That you're not gonna, you know, the old saying is, you're not gonna pee on somebody's leg and tell them it's raining. You know, you're you're gonna shoot straight with them, but you're gonna find a fun way to do it.
0: I've never heard that one be on someone's leg, and that's pretty good. I've heard a lot of stuff. I'll be stealing that. I'm taking that to the golf course as soon as it warms up in New Jersey. That's an old Judge Judy
2: line. Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. I didn't know Judge. She lives in Naples, actually. I've heard her. I've heard her fly into the airport. Do you know she is the most expensive? She's the 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 richest TV personality as far as who gets paid what, and she has been for over ten years. And I
0: do know that because I had a neighbor who actually started the porn brokers uh, on TV, and he wanted Chris Christie to replace Judge Judy. But I don't think Governor Christie was interested. But he, Governor Christie, would be great Judge
2: Judy. Really? Tell me about Chris Christie. Oh I mean, have you, you ever seen? Have you ever watched Christie on TV? Only in blurbs, right? You don't get a chance. We oh. don't we, out here in California. We don't get to see him the way you do in New Jersey, where you've seen it up front and you see all the. You know, you guys don't get to see Gavin Newsom. The way we do in California. So you know, the fact that I don't know a lot about Chris Christie. Tell me about him.
0: He's unbeliev he's just incredible. He's he's the kind of guy that I've been friendly with because I've been a Republican leader, he's been a governor. You know, during a storm, you know, I said a state of emergency and all this business, he gets up there with the jacket on, he says state injury, he goes, Get the hell off the beach. That's what he does. He doesn't go he just says, Get the hell off the beach, what are you nut?
2: it's easy to underestimate him because of his appearance, isn't it?
0: Uh, I guess so, but I've known him so well, you kind of don't see that he's overweight. He lost a lot of weight after he had the banding, the stomach banding. He's probably down 100 pounds, but he's still not slim. But I got more Chris Christie stories because he's just incredibly quick on his feet.
2: That's my thing that I was going to bring up to you is that whenever I have heard him speak and what I've, when I've read his pieces, I mean, that's a smart guy. That's not kind of a sharp guy. That's a smart guy.
0: He's real smart. I mean, he was on one of those night shows. You remember this? Then he out a donut and started eating in the middle of the show. <laughs> I mean, that, that shows he has, some, he's uh, got some self, uh, let's say, He's ready, to, ready to be self-critical and funny.
2: Yeah, and see, I and I, I'll probably catch flack with that. I think Gavin Newsom gets overestimated because he's got his hair slicked back and his three-piece suit on, right? So he gets overestimated. Well,
0: he he beat back the recall, right?
2: Yeah, he did. It was kind of, yeah, well, you know, crazy. The fact that he, you know, because I think people saw the hypocrisy of it and, and of, of the whole French laundry thing. I have friends of mine who who voted for him, who who signed the petition to for the recall because they were so pissed off at the fact that he would do that. They thought it was a hide of, hide of hypocrisy. And my thing to them was, hey, here's the deal. He knows more than you do. As did Nancy Pelosi at the hair dealer, at the hair dresser, and they're not afraid. What should we take from that? He knows more than you do. He's got he's more, he's privy to more things than we are, and yet he's not afraid. What what are we gonna what what are we thinking? Yeah,
0: well, you know, I don't know, understand California politics or how California votes. Uh, but it, we got a simple term in New Jersey. He won. That's it. <laughs> So if you win, you win. That's it. You know, yeah, ain't more complicated than that in Jersey. Like, yeah, great, great, great. Yeah, he won. Okay,
2: next, next, Oh my, oh my God! All right, see. <laughs> okay, that caught me off I didn't expect that. <laughs> that was. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, right. Guess
0: you know what Chris Christie used to say? You know, like this. Like a guy ran against him years ago named Steve Lonegan, and after Christie beat him in the primary, I called up Chris. I said, hey. You hear what Steve Lonegan's saying? He goes, Steve who? <laughs> like, I, I, I don't, you know, you don't even hear it. Once you win, you go, what's the guy saying? Yeah, good. He's, uh, oh, he's in second place. You mean, he's the first loser.
2: First loser. Thank you, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> so, who do you see? Because you are so involved in, and I know it's, in, it's New Jersey politics, but you're well connected throughout the land. That's why they had you on CNN and MSNBC and all those shows. I find it fascinating. What do you see in 2024? Does Trump come back? Can they can they avoid the Trump? I mean, what do they do? What is what does the GOP do? And then and we'll we'll get to the Democratic side afterwards because I. I just love talking to you, so you're going to have to just excuse me.
0: I I used to ask Mike Duhaime. Mike was the political director in the White House. He ran uh, Giuliani's campaign nationally. He ran uh, uh, McCain's campaign. And I said to him, and you are asking me about 2024 or whatever, so I I used to say to him, who is George W. Bush going to win? He goes like this, against who? Right, so it's never in a vacuum. So if you ask me, How's Trump going to do? Against who? How's he going to do against DeSantis? I think DeSantis beats him in a primary. You know, how's he how's he going to do against Chris Christie? I don't really know, but it's it's not really it's not it's such not a vacuum. You have to put it in context as to who is in the game. Right. Because most of the time you're voting against somebody instead of voting for somebody. So everybody knows who's out there but it's different to say you might run versus you are running so you know we'd have to see who who else is in the field before i mean if he gave me joe versus sam i'd go okay i think sam would but
2: yeah everybody everybody's popular until the the rubber meets the road as i think michael bloomberg found out huh did I lose you? Yeah, here I am. Here I am. Are you there? Oh, sorry. Okay, okay sorry. Yeah, I'm here. I thought... No, I know. I, we, we, hey, technology. As I like to say, driverless cars, driverless cars. Yeah, that's what I want to do. Uh, Be going 80 miles an hour with no control over my vehicle. Uh, <laughs> But but you're, you're talking about when people... You're you're very popular until you actually jump in the mud, as Michael Bloomberg found out. That's,
0: that's really good. That's exactly right. Right. Everything's good until you get in the race and somebody goes negative on you.
2: So so you said you think you think DeSantis would beat Trump in a primary.
0: I do. That's... Because I think the Republican Party knows that they don't want the baggage of Donald Trump. I mean, you know, if you pull it now, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, if DeSantis gets out there and goes, hey, listen, you know, I like Donald Trump. But unfortunately, you know, we lost the Congress. We lost the Senate, and we lost the White House, okay, while he was president, right? So like this. It ain't that complicated, as I said before. We lost, right? Okay, you like his haircut. You like the way he talks to people. Great. We lost. Put that in your pipe and smoke it.
2: So is that what the Democrats are doing? As we, as we record this, uh, they just had a big loss in Virginia and I think barely won in New Jersey, right? In your home state, the, the, uh, the governor that, just barely that, that's won. Correct. And then you had a very, very moderate, almost slash conservative, uh, Democrat, uh, win mayor of New York City. So what do the, the, the Democrats, are they, are they going to go, Hey, look, we lost or from what I've seen in the commentary, or do they double down?
0: Well, first of all, you know, the Democratic Party is is big. Mm -hmm. If if Biden continues as president and continues to watch his numbers become upside down with his approval, you know, getting worse and worse, uh, the Democrats can't do anything about it. Like, you know, they can stand on their head and say, I'm a moderate. I stand on my head. Guess what? Uh, Biden defines the Democratic Party. Just like Trump. did. Yeah, Exactly. And you can't get, you know, the people, I'm not voting for you because you're a Republican. I said, what? Well, yeah, I don't like Trump. OK, same thing as that. And it's a pendulum. Think about the history of the presidential election. You had Obama was a reaction to Bush. Trump was a reaction to Obama. Biden's a reaction to, to Trump. Right. So this, what you're going to see now is, you know, who, you know, it's easy to campaign and it's hard to govern. So when you're governing and you, and most of the time you become more unpopular.
2: Wow. How did you do you have to that's when you really have to have your personal convictions, right? I mean, you have to really sit back and go, no, no, this is this is what I believe. And this is where I'm going. And is that rare today?
0: Yes. Uh, If you're talking about when I ran two years ago, not only did I run against Democrats on my left in a general election, but I ran against two people who said I wasn't Trump enough. So I had the Trumpers on my right and the Democrats on my left. So they wanted me to go to the debate. I said, I'm not going to the debate. I'll let them go to the debate and they can say, oh, Bramley's too much like Trump. And they'll just say, no, Bramley's not enough like Trump. And then I'll just stay home and watch it on
2: TV. Is that that's just from years of experience. When you set back with a team, did they did you I, I don't get the feeling they tell you what to do. Your political team. I, I, am I wrong on that? I mean, it just seems like you're going to be saying, here's where we're going to oh, go no, on this. You're 100 percent right.
0: You're, I'll tell you, I'll you an example. If you Google and look at my commercial on YouTube uh, where I filmed at Wild West City. Uh, you'll see what I mean because the, the fellow I use—I won't mention his name—but he does commercials for all Republicans around the country, including Trump. Right? So I—I call his name's Larry Weitzner. So I call Larry. I said, "Listen, here's the commercial. What I'm do. I'm going to be the fastest return call in government. I'm going to walk down the middle of a Western Street and I'll pull my phone out." He goes like this: "You are the biggest pain in the neck I've ever met. I do everyone in the world, and this is crazy. Okay, it may be crazy, but it's not going to be boring." So if you go on YouTube, there's been I think almost 2,000 hits at this point that I am uh, the fastest return call. I walk down the middle of a street, which is basically a Western town, and I pull the phone out.
2: I I I love that. I I love it. And, and you know, speaking of which, was it this this guy named Dur? Is that his name in New Jersey? The one who defeated who? It was in New Jersey. The guy, the truck driver. Am I right on that? Yeah. So what happened with him was, and it's
0: not as unexpected as you would think. So he is a blue collar guy in a Trump district who ran against the president of the Senate, Steve Sweeney, who is a is an iron worker. Right. But this guy out blue collared him in a red wave. uh, moment, And that's kind of why Steve Sweeney, the president of the Senate, lost the dirt.
2: And how much did he spend on his campaign? Do you know this answer?
0: $159 on donuts for his uh, team.
2: Did y'all hear that? $159 on donuts for his team.
0: Well, just so you're clear, later on, he spent more. This is because I was with Ed yesterday at the Senate because I now uh, I, I was elected as a state senator. So I joined him and he said, actually, that was always during, that was like kind of during the primary, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but yes, yeah, so he spent a little bit more, but not a lot more than that.
2: How about that? I mean, that is, it, it, that's encouraging. I mean, do you see that encouraging as maybe less money in politics? I mean, I don't I don't see it ever going the other way. But if you start seeing a lack of return on your investment, a la Bloomberg, who throws in a billion and gets nothing, I, I mean, when does common sense take over and go, hey, maybe maybe we don't need to throw that much money at it?
0: It depends on the district. It depends on which way the wind is blowing politically. Uh, you know, this happened to be a, a, a Republican district. It happened to be in a red wave. And, it, you know, so, you know, it, it, but generally money in politics is really, really important. This happened to be the exception to the rule.
2: How much uh, people ask me this because I, I try to be pragmatic about how I find my news because i think so many news outlets have agendas or narratives and i'm going to ask you the question they ask me how do you find your news where where do you find what you think the truth is you have to
0: watch and read everything right you got to read the new york times and the new york post uh, and the daily news you got to watch the bbc you got to watch fox you got to watch msnbc you got to watch cnn you got to watch everything and if you watch everything you go like this, okay, then look, it's like a being a critical thinker. Uh, and you used to learn how to use your analytical school, uh, skills in college. you know. But if the people just watch one. That's the problem. They have one app or they have one show they watch. You know, they got Fox on all day or they got MSNBC all day. How are you going to make a decision based on that? And you know how those companies work, right? What they do is they basically pull what you want to hear, and that's what they put on.
2: I got question, another, another thing to ask John Bramnick, but we'll be back. I'm to take a quick break on Here's What We Know. John Bramnick, we'll be back right after this.
1: If you're enjoying this podcast, then maybe you'd like to hear more. Gary Scott Thomas hosts The Morning Show at 95.3 KRTY in San Jose, and you can tune in at krty.com. At 8.30 each weekday morning, Gary and Julie talk to artists, songwriters, and industry insiders. You'll hear from people like Garth Brooks and Luke Combs, new stars like Ingrid Andrus and Maren Morris, and songwriters like Shane McAnally, Lori McKenna, and Luke Laird. You'll find the best in country music on the South Bay's best country, K.
2: So John, when we're talking about yeah. the news medias and you're saying, you know, that, that they do polling to find out what people who are viewing that network want to hear. And I, it's because you've worked on these networks. You've been, well, you've been guest on these networks. I shouldn't say you've worked on it because that implies something I don't think mm-hmm. you want, but you've been guest on these networks. Have you ever been coached? or said, hey, we're going to talk about this. Or as you said earlier, maybe you didn't say things controversial enough, and therefore you weren't invited back. What was your experience?
0: Well, that's exactly right. So first, they want to know what you're going to say when you come on. So let's assume the topic. You know, I'm thinking about different topics today. Maybe the topic is Joe Biden, right? And I put it on. I put a press release out about Joe Biden. We'll say, okay, come on the show. But they're going to talk to you before. The producer is going to talk to you before they ask you what you're going to say. And then if they don't think it's really extreme enough, they're just not going to put you on. So, you know, where did they put me on? I mean, they put me on CNN because I won in a district that was Democratic, though I'm a Republican. They want to know how I did it. But not very interesting. Like, that really isn't what it is. You want to, what they call you about nowadays, I did a show this morning that Ed Doerr said something was anti-Muslim or something, right? So they wanted my opinion on what about Ed saying something that's anti-Muslim, right? that That's what they want. They find something that's controversial, and they want people to comment on it.
2: Wow. I I don't know if you saw one of the things going on right now. One of the commentators on, I think, MSNBC was basically inferring that anyone who voted Republican. And again, it doesn't matter to me if it's Democratic or Republican. I would have said the same thing if they if they said it this. What I'm saying is the commentator was saying anyone who voted this way is a danger to the country. And and at some point, we need to look at these people who are voting this way because it's going to lead, lead to a revolt and and these things are, shouldn't be allowed. I mean, listening to that, really, and, and again, I know it's a fringe network and a fringe playing, but the fact that on their primetime news coverage, they were saying, having a person saying, voting for this party should be looked at as possibly illegal.
0: Okay, so think about that. That was so crazy that you remember it and somebody watched it. So mm-hmm. Chris Christie told a story about Howard Stern. When Howard Stern, the radio jock, first got on the radio, people who liked him listened for 45 minutes, the longest like of any radio station. And the people who didn't like him listened for an hour and 15 minutes. And so that answers your question, right? Yeah. If I say, uh, you know, voting Republicans should be illegal, guess what? That's going to get they're going to. Who is this guy? You listen to Guy is completely nuts. Man, I'm going to listen to this guy for some more. What a nut! Holy cow! I can't wait to listen to him some more. Being a nut, I hate this guy. Oh, I'm going to turn him on tomorrow same time
2: and see and that's and that's one of the things i've i've had this conversation with people before saying you know your voice is being limited and i'm like i don't think so i think there's more avenues now and the fact that so many people will find their new sources and listen to different things i listen to podcasts people listen to this podcast one of the reasons i i was excited about having you on is because i've had people on both sides of the spectrum and and it's it's amazing how as i said so many of us can agree and we can also disagree and still have a really good conversation that that if, that if you go into it with the idea that your heart, I may disagree with you, but your intentions are good. And I try to go into that with every conversation I have. If I disagree with you or agree with you, I go into it with the idea your intentions are good, and that helps me process what you're saying. Have, have you found any kind of trick like that?
0: Well, it's interesting. I find people, they don't really want to have a discussion. They want to tell me their opinion, and then they want to continue to tell me their opinion, and then they want to finish by telling me their opinion. And they go like this. Some guy comes up to me and Well, excuse me, did you are you asking me a question, or is this a lecture? Because if it's a lecture, I'd like an intermission, right? And I go, how about this one? This is my favorite. It's in the book, actually. A guy comes up to me, a very well-known person in New Jersey. And he goes, John, I've never met you before, but I got to tell you, he talked to me, talked at me for 20 minutes. When I say I didn't say one word, I know I didn't say one word because I had laryngitis. After 20 minutes, he turns to me and goes, John, I've never met you before. I've heard about you and I really enjoyed talking to you. You did? Because I never said one word.
1: Oh
2: my goodness. <laughs> I, okay. I don't know if I should be having as much fun with you as I am, but I'm not sorry.
0: Well, here's the story. You can continue to have fun. With. People can go on Amazon and buy the book, right? Uh, and I'm not making money on the book anyway, because anytime I get any money in, I either give it to the food bank or I pay bills for the book. For somehow, I'm, I'm a businessman. and am a lawless. I'm a terrible bookseller. <laughs>
2: Well, I hope this helps because, and, and again, I, I talk, I talked to your people and they're going to send me some copies of the book. So we're going to give you a chance to win. Look at the, uh, the show notes and we're going to give you a chance to win. We're going to do some, uh, trivia stuff, uh, from the book and from this podcast that, uh, we're going to, we're going to give away some of those episodes with. Can I, can I trouble you to have you come back and, and talk some more about politics as we get more and more into this? Because I have just been fascinated and you delight me.
0: I would love to, and I got to tell you, you you have great interpersonal skills, and I can see why you've been so successful.
2: John Bramnick, you're the best, and I can't wait to talk to you again. We're going to do this, so this is episode one, and he'll be returning to Here's What We Know.
1: Thanks for joining us this week. If you love this episode, please subscribe, download a few more episodes, and please leave a review. Reviews really help us get this out to more people like you. Also, we'd love to hear what your favorite part was. Be sure to join us on social media to engage in even more unexpected conversations. Until next time.